The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, we're reading the entirety of Psalm 22. So if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted, and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him, since he takes pleasure in him. It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Don't be far from me, because distress is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me, lions, mauling, and roaring. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax, melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the one who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness. To a people yet to be born, they will declare what he has done. This is the word of the Lord. What's up, fam? Good to see you this morning. You guys doing well? Good. All right. A couple of you are doing good. That's fantastic. Oh, good morning. Welcome to the Burbank location of Story City Church. Uh, we say Burbank location because we do have a location in Granada Hills meeting this morning. And either way, whether you're joining us uh, here in person or online, we are stoked to have you with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Again, we, uh, we want to let you know that your story is welcome here. My name is Jared and I have the honor of being one of your pastors. Uh, I talked about story a minute ago. It's kind of in our name Uh, And so your story does matter, but your story matters because one of our values is that uh, our story is a part of God's story, that what God is doing for the city of LA, he has brought us into his story for it. God is the hero of the story, not us, but we get to play a part in that story of God's story for Los Angeles. Now the Bible is a beautiful love story between God and his people. It doesn't always seem that way. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here where like, that's a love story, but it's, it's because God has loved his people very much and we have not returned that love very well. 
What we see through this love story, though, is that God is a pursuant God, that he continues to come after us. He continues, despite our unfaithfulness, to faithfully continue to pursue us, despite the fact that time after time, it costs him pain and hurt. But this pursuant God doesn't just find us and then like, cool, I found you, tag your it, now you got to come find me. This pursuant God finds us, enters into our story, finds us enslaved to sin and death, and he paid the price so that we would belong to him. Now, it would be his right to leave us still in slavery, and yet somehow God decided not to do that, to fully restore and redeem us. And so instead of leaving us there, he adopts us as children in his family. That's incredible. To make us Full co-heirs with his son, Jesus. Now here's the deal. As a part of his family, we have a part to play in the family business. We get to be about what God is about. And as Jesus commissioned us to go to the places and people God has called us to be and point them to Jesus by the way we love God and people. To model what it means to apprentice Jesus and to help them do the same. To sacrificially love others because he sacrificed so much for us. Which brings us to our minute to mingle question for today. I've got to say, this has been fun because I asked uh, the directors this, I asked some of the staff this about four days ago and they're still arguing <laughs> the answer. So I'd love to hear what you guys say. Hopefully, it agrees with me so I can go back and tell them I'm right. <laughs> All right, what is the difference between inconvenience and sacrifice? What do you guys have? Okay, I heard heart posture. What else? Size. Okay, that's fair. The size of the the size of the incident. Okay, what else? Okay, inconvenience changes your day, but a sacrifice can change your life. Okay, fair. What else? Intentionality. Okay. Inconvenience is temporary, sacrifice is ongoing. Good. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? What do you mean by that? The object of the inconvenience or sacrifice, what do you mean? Inconvenience is objective, sacrifice is for something. Good. Yeah. Anybody else? Some of you are all going to be like, oh, I thought about this more later. <laughs> it's going to go. Yeah, so what's interesting is, as my wife and I were talking about this, um, for me, I have attached, I think, um, significance to sacrifice. So to me, anything that is, uh, you know, either way, you're giving up something, right? In an inconvenience, you're still giving up something. But to me, what makes sacrifice sacrifice is that it costs something, and it costs something significant. Now, that doesn't mean it's the right answer, even though AI agrees with me. Just saying. Uh, but, but for me, that's what, that's what the difference was. The difference for me was if I'm inconvenienced, it's not lasting. But a sacrifice is lasting to me. Uh, it's kind of an interesting concept. But the debate goes on. I, I won't say that I won. I'm just saying that this is, uh, this is a part of it. Now, this is going to play into our lesson for today. So I want us to kind of keep that in your mind. But, but wrestle with it. It's, it's an interesting conversation either way. Would you spend a few moments praying with me? There's some stuff. I think we need to bring before the Lord this morning. Father God, we 
come before you and we are wrestling with big things. We've been walking through the path to lament and lament itself is heavy. Lord, I know there are families this morning dealing with very heavy things. Lord, Arturo's family is dealing with heavy things. We ask this morning that you would be their comfort. We thank you for the peace that you brought, the the ability for family to be around at the end. But we ask, Father, that in the continuing days and weeks and months of the new reality that you would be that continued peace and strength and hope. Thank you for the ways that you have shown so much love through that family. Father, for Felix, as he's winding down his time here on earth, Lord, I thank you that he knows you and loves you, and I just ask that you would bring comfort and healing and hope. Lord, as that family enters a season of lament, we ask that you would be their strength, that they would be able to find refuge in the shadow of your wings. Father, so many others are going through difficult times. There are so many moments where it's hard to see you in the midst. Lord, sometimes it's easier than others to see you. And so in those moments, I pray that you would help us to walk the path of lament in ways that usher us into your presence, that bring us to your hope, that bring us to your truth, that bring us to, Father, a place of reconciliation and healing with you. We often don't have the strength to carry on by ourselves, and so we just ask that you would be our strength. Lord, we ask for Also, your protection and your favor on the churches around us. Thank you, Lord, this morning for so many great churches working hard to make your name known, Lord. And you know who they are. There's so many around us. We ask that you'd bless them this morning as they they work to honor you and your name and, and to, Father, love the people of this community and the people that are in their churches. We thank you for that. God, we ask for a special blessing in all the downtown businesses that you would not only protect them and bless them, but that you would increase their revenue, you would increase their business, that this summer would be one of the the highest attended and highest grossing summers they've had, that you would pour yourself out on them and they would know that they are loved and that, that, uh, that they are prayed for, God, that you would bless them. Father, we pray for our nonprofits in the city. Thank you for the relationship that you are building with this church and those. We thank you for the Boys and Girls Club especially and, and all the ways that we are collaborating. God, bless them. I thank you that they work so hard to honor this community and to love this community. I pray that you would, Lord, see them succeed and be successful. And Lord, help us to be able to find more ways to continue to partner in ministry, partner in service to this community. And for this church, Father, I pray that we continue to have our eyes on you and our eyes on the community, that we would love God and love people in a way that brings honor and glory to you, that doesn't promote our name, Father, but promotes your name. Father, thank you for this time. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been walking through this series, and today we're going to wrap up this series called the Psalms of Lament. And uh, I've... I've basically said I, I believe that lament is one of the, the ways that we become healthy in our Christianity. That if we're going to be apprentices of Jesus, we actually have to walk through lament. We cannot have a healthy side of things if we are not lamenting. And so lament is an important part of how we walk through a healthy Christianity. We've learned over the past couple of weeks that the path of lament brings us to a place of hope and trust. That it helps us to praise, especially when we don't feel like it. That it brings hope to the communities that we live in and work in and are around. And today we're going to see how all of that is 
possible. Now, let's not move too quickly past the fact that lament is a heavy place to be. It is not an easy place to be in. We don't want to just go, cool, we all lament, it's great, it's fun, it's easy. Like, that wouldn't be honest. And lament is not a quick thing. Sometimes lament can take years or a lifetime. It's a difficult path. It can be long, difficult, exhausting, and sometimes even lonely. And that's why I'm stoked that we are finishing up with this particular psalm. David writes in Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. And so for those of you taking notes today, this is our big idea for the day. Lament is the path to his presence. Lament is the path to his presence. We're going to explore how the path to his presence is well-worn. We're going to see how his presence actually answers our deepest need and how his presence is possible because of the cross. Now, one last thing before we jump into David's lament this morning. We're going to see also that this is a prophetic psalm. Prophetic meaning that it points forward to something else or it reveals something else about God and his character and his nature. And in particular, this psalm song points forward to Jesus and is Jesus' lament as well. So let's go back and remind ourselves of today's passage, Psalm 22. If you're opening up your Bibles right to the middle, you'll find the Psalms. The Psalms is dead center of your Bible. The Bible is divided into two uh, parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, Jesus has always existed. He's, he is a part of the triune Godhead. Uh, three in one, it's a trinity. It's confusing, I know. You can ask me later. We'll talk through it. But, uh, but the Old Testament is before Jesus takes on human nature and enters into humanity. So Jesus has always existed, but the Old Testament is before he takes on human nature. The New Testament is when he takes on human nature. That's why it starts with his birth, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so today we'll be in the Old Testament, right in the middle, the book of Psalms, Psalms 22. It says this. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted, and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You've been my God from my mother's womb. Don't be far from me because distress is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me, lions mauling and roaring. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments amongst themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. 
my strength come quickly to help me rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the ones who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. Now, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, you haven't been here for a while, we are talking about the steps of the path to lament. There's the, the steps that we take in order to walk through this process of lament. And the steps are turn, complain, ask, and trust. Now, as a reminder, turning is about orienting our hearts to God. It's about turning to Him and, and, uh, and praying. It's, and praying is just a conversation with God. Now, this doesn't mean that we give up our emotions or that we have resolved any of our accusations against God. It doesn't mean we are no longer angry or we are no longer hurt. We can be hurt and offended and angry and frustrated and mad and still turn to God. It's simply a matter of engaging instead of running away. It's confronting God with the truth of what we're thinking, feeling, and experiencing or wrestling with. The next step in that path is complaints. Now, biblical complaint is about specifically and clearly naming the issue or injustice. It's about getting to the root of the issue so that it it may be brought to God for action. But part of that is recognizing what the real issue is, the root issue is. And then we move to asking. Now asking is about coming to God and boldly asking specifically to act in a manner that fits his character and resolves the complaint. And finally, trusting is to trust him with us, to trust him with our complaint, to trust him with the injustice. One author says that this is about affirming God's worthiness to be trusted and committing to praising him. Now, again, I want to remind us that this path doesn't mean that everything gets resolved. It's about submitting ourselves to God and trusting that his nature, his character, his plan is good and right and better than ours, even if we don't understand. And so for those taking notes today, this brings us to our first observation. The path to his presence is well-worn. The path to his presence is well worn. Now in David's song, this path to his presence, this first part, this turning portion, uh, covers the first five verses of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He's bringing this to God. Here's where I'm at, God. What, where, where are you? Why are you so far from my deliverance and my words of groaning? I'm saying something, but it's like you're not answering me back. 
my God, I cry by day, and he says it, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. You haven't come and showed up, but you're holy and thrown in the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted and you were not disgraced. Now, some of us have not even considered the possibility that we could have such a, a real and visceral conversation with God. But part of the reason David is able to be so real and so open and honest and transparent with God is that he has a relationship with God that is real and open and honest and transparent. One author writes, It's the bitter complaint of one who despairs, who has no one else to whom he can turn. He clings to God against God, Doubt about God, even the kind of despair that can no longer understand God, receives in the lament a language that binds it to God even as it accuses him. See, in verses 1 and 2, David alludes to this uh, normal effort, so the things that he normally does to reach out to God, and yet God has continued to remain silent. Verses 3 to 5 might sound like he's moving into trust. He's making these statements, but God, you are, you've been faithful before. You've done these things. But it's more like saying, you've shown up before, so I can't figure out why you're not here now. Family, when we first start apprenticing Jesus, everything is new. And, and we're working through this process of learning what it, what it means to hear God's voice and to recognize God's voice and to, to try to be obedient. That's a, there's a whole excitement about trying to figure those things out. We're, we're, we're learning how to follow. We're growing in faith and trust in God. But the longer that you apprentice Jesus, the longer that you do this, something happens. We humans naturally turn things into routine. We like our routines. It's why we get so upset when somebody sits in our chair. That's my chair. And so oftentimes when we've been apprenticing Jesus for a while, we can end up moving through our times with God as if it's some sort of checklist that we have to get through. And it's not malintent. It's just simply we just we do our thing and we get to everything else. We treat it like a checklist instead of a relationship that we're building. Now, I found in these moments, over time, I've discovered that God will do something to sort of wake me up out of my routine. He does something that makes me pay attention again. When I was growing up, my best friend had a, uh, a walk-in pantry with one of those hanging light bulbs, right? And, you know, if you hit it too hard, the light bulb swings, and it's hard to, like, catch the, the string. But I was at his house so much, and we ate each other's snacks all the time. That's what kids do, right? You eat each other's snacks all the time. and knew exactly what shelf I was looking for. And so anytime I was like, hey, dude, go grab some snacks. You know, it could be the middle of the night. I got to the place where the muscle memory just, I knew exactly where that pull string was. I could do it the dead of night without a problem. Straight out of habit or muscle memory. Now I found that sometimes we walk with God, we go into that dark pantry, go and pull the string and it's not there. God moves the string on us. Now here's the deal. He doesn't get rid of the light. The light bulb isn't gone. He simply wants us to go, wait a minute, what's happening right now? He wants us to pay attention and focus on our relationship with him. And there's something about this God who who pursues us, who values us pursuing him in return. And this brings us to the next step in David's lament. We see in verses 6 to 10, David specifically name his complaint. Here's what he's saying, God, this is the issue. I'm, 
a worm and not a man, verse 6. Scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. Verse 9, it was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. In continuing this thought from verses 2 to 5, David says of God, look, the result of you not showing up, he's continuing this, the result of you not showing up is that I'm not even given basic empathy or respect anymore. Like, I've reached a place I'm treated like a worm. It's so obvious that you haven't shown up, God, that they're saying I'm not even valuable to you. If God doesn't even value him, why should we? But you made me. You're the one who cared for me and provided for me. Where are you now? Where is that concern now? In this moment, there's, there's this like, God, you started something and you didn't complete it. You, you began something and you've backed away and it almost feels like a worse betrayal because you were there and now you are not. Again, I love how real and how honest David is in this moment. He's clear with his emotions and feelings toward God. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't give God his, you know, Christianese, his Christian speak. Well, God, you know, I'm a little angry at you right now, but I know that all things work out for good, so it's going to be fine. But I'm a little ticked at you. I hope I can say ticked. David is as, as real and open and honest. I mean, this is, this, is, this is brutal. We lose some of the translation of the language, but this is not kind. but it's honest. Let me ask you a question. Anybody have an Eeyore in their life? Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Debbie Downer? Yep. If you don't, everybody has one. It may be you. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. But the one who's quick to complain but never offers a solution. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? You're like, how did you turn that into a complaint? Like, I don't even understand how we went from zero to 100. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Or you're like, hey, yeah, I had a bad day. They're like, oh, you think you had a bad day? Let me tell you about it. You're like, God, can I even just tell you, like, I, this was tough and I'm sorry for you? You know what I mean? But when somebody is only a complainer or never offers a solution or never has any hope attached to what you're talking about, it's, it's draining, is it not? Some of us have those one-sided friends where it feels like all they do is take, 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 take. And it's hard. Look, there's seasons in life where we all need that. And it's okay to be in those seasons as long as you understand that that season cannot last forever. But when that relationship never goes further than complaint, we've missed something in the relationship that's really important. And that's why in this step to uh, lament, we can't just end at complaint. It can't just end there. It actually does not good stuff inside of us, but it actually doesn't help us move forward in our relationship with God either. This is why that next step, ask, is so powerful, so helpful. Because we have actually wrestled with the true nature of the issue and specifically named that complaint to God. We've said, God, you know, I, I believe that I've wrestled with this long enough to know what the real heart of the issue is. I think this is my real complaint. Now, as a reminder, there's a couple reasons we walk the path of lament. Either when we find that our hearts, minds, souls, bodies up all part of us is not in line with God's word or God's will or God's character, then guess what's wrong? It's not God. And so we walk the path of lament to go, God, I either I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to see it different. 
I don't know how to possibly think different. I need your help because this is frustrating and there's this disconnect happening. Or the second one is when injustice has been perpetrated against us or against the people around us. And we can walk this path of lament as we cry out for God. The world isn't operating the way that you designed it to be. This is hard. I don't like this. I see this injustice happening and I hate it. Will you move? Will you step into this? Don't let this last. And so if we get to the bottom of those things, what is our real complaint? What is the issue? We can now name it and say, God, this is what I'm having a hard time with. Then we can ask, God, here's what I'm specifically asking you to do about it. For those taking notes today, this brings us to our second observation. His presence answers our deepest need. His presence answers our deepest need. The Bible tells us that God actually knows our needs before we even ask. He says, hey, you, you actually don't even have to like ramble on getting to the, you know, trying to build up to it. Like, God, I kind of hope you listen. I'm not complaining, but I'm, he just says, just get to it. I already know. So it's okay. Just tell me. That God knows us so intimately that, dare I say, he knows us better than ourselves. And in Psalm 37.4, the Bible tells us that he will answer the desires of our Hearts. Now, that doesn't mean he answers all the wants of our hearts. That word desire is not in the sense of it giving us anything we want, but it's the deepest need, the deepest request of our heart. And the word that is used for desires is the word petition. It's like a, 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 a human petitioning a God, because that's obviously what it is. But, but if you think about it this way, like a peasant uh, petitioning a king. I need something. There's this thing happening and I need you to step in because you have the power to do something that I don't. And oftentimes we don't even recognize what the biggest need is in our life because so often we deal with symptoms and not root causes. And because those symptoms are so pressing, it's hard sometimes to see past the symptoms to the real cause of them inside of our hearts. But God answers the real need of our hearts, not just those symptoms, because God knows us better than we know ourselves. In verses 11 to 21, we see David's petition. This is what David's actually asking for. And I love this. I can't wait to show you something here. Verse 11, don't be far from me, because distress is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me. Lions mauling and roaring. Uh, this is not a picture of gen genteel... Times. This is, this is, again, this is, this is how he's feeling. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. Evil doers has closed in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count on my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. Does it feel overwhelming yet? But Lord, you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I love this. Look what he's facing. He's surrounded. Surrounded by really strong enemies that are like angry lions. He has no strength. He's afraid. He has nothing left. They have wounded him. The effects of the situation are so bad that people stare out of shock and out of pity. He cries, they're robbing me to the point of nakedness right here in the open and I can't do anything about it. But what does he ask for? Lord, 
Please let your heavenly missiles rain down and blow them all up. No? Lord, let me roll a nat 20 on a charisma check and talk my way out of this. A couple of you got that. That's all right. It's okay. No, look what he asked for. Verse 11, don't be far from me. And 19, but you, Lord, don't be far away. He asked for rescue and salvation in 20 and 21. Rescue my life. Save me from the lion's mouth. You answer me. But the implication is that salvation is only found in his presence. David wants a resolution, but at the same time he recognizes that God's presence is the ultimate solution to his problems, even if his problems remain unresolved. And this brings us to our third and final observation for the day. His presence is possible because of the cross. His presence is possible because of the cross. Earlier I said that this psalm was talking about David, but it was also a prophetic psalm. It's because David writes this about a thousand years before Jesus' time, but when Jesus quotes it, while on the cross, it seems as if it was written just for him. Take a look at me, with me at the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. As I talked about before, flip to the middle, keep going to your right, and you'll find the start of the New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the Gospels, first book of the New Testament. The end of Matthew chapter 27, verse 36, says this, describing Jesus' crucifixion. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He's hanging on the cross in this moment. This is what he cries out. Because there weren't books in Jesus' day, it's kind of hard to imagine, right? No tablets, iPads, e-readers. There's a culture of memorization. And so when Jesus quotes from this first line of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Where are you? He would be referring to the entire psalm and all of the Jews in the area would know exactly what he was referring to and it would, re, it would be refreshed in their mind. This whole psalm would come up. They would have known exactly what he's crying out. Now we know this because the Apostle John, his best friend on earth, makes this connection for us in his gospel account. John chapter 19, verses 23 and 24 says, When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts. That sounds familiar. A part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to, another, said to one another, Let's not tear it, but let's cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. And then skipping down, John 19, 33-34 says, When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. His heart melted like wax. Let's go back and read Psalm 22 one more time with Jesus hanging on the cross in mind. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and for my words of groaning my God I cry by day but you do not answer by night yet I have no rest but you are holy and enthroned on the praises of Israel our ancestors trusted in you they trusted and you rescued him they cried to you and were set free they trusted in you and were not disgraced but I'm a worm not a man scorned by mankind and despised by people everyone who sees me mocks me they sneer and shake their heads he relies on the Lord let him save him let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. 
don't be far from me because distress is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me, lions mauling and roaring. I am poured out like water and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. They will, the humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Even the one who cannot preserve his life, their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. What makes this so incredible, family, is that by Jesus willingly going to the cross to fulfill the plan that God set out in the garden at the beginning of this love story between God and humanity. Jesus takes on the sin, the pain, the punishment, the separation, the death that was meant for us. Now Jesus has two natures. He's truly God and truly man. And while it says uh, that, that uh, you abandon me, when he cries this out, he cannot be separated from the, the, as God. His God nature cannot be separated from the Father and the, the Holy Spirit. But his human nature could experience it. His human nature could feel the full weight of that rejection and cry out in anguish. And yet he knew this was the only path for humanity to be made right, to be saved. It's what allowed him, though, to connect with the end of verse 21 and say, you answered me because he knew that through the very thing that he was doing, that his God nature would provide that salvation. We see in verses 22 to 31, David's step of trust in the path to lament. All the earth, ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations in verse 31. And they will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. That word people and people yet to be born means a tribe or a nation, a people group. Literally, we know that through Jesus, anyone who is his apprentice is welcome into the family of God. Just like David. We can know that his presence is what we truly need. Because of the cross, we know that his presence is readily available. For those seeking him for the first time, or those who are having trouble finding the pull string, walking this path of lament is a great way for us to discover that he has been with us the whole time. Let's pray. God, you are incredible, you are amazing. 
And yet life is hard and it's filled with these things that so often don't make sense. Parts of our stories just seem like you were not there and yet your word promises us. Not that you'll work out everything good, but that you will work all things, even the things the enemy meant for evil, that you will redeem them, that you will use them in us for what's best for us and for your kingdom. And so, Father, we want to trust you. We want to believe. We want to have faith. We do and we don't. And so, Lord, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to want what you want. Help us to turn to you, to bring our complaint to you, to be able to specifically ask you to move in a way that matches your character and help us to trust even when we don't understand. In Jesus' name.